0: Perspective. Hello and welcome to this edition of Paris Perspective with me, David Coffey. Now, as a diplomatic tool, an instrument of soft power and a means of influence, luxury contributes to the international reach of world powers. And to discuss the geopolitics of luxury on Paris Perspective today, I'm joined in studio by Bruna Lavagna, who is a consultant in the geostrategy of luxury. So what is luxury? Well, it's everything from crafts yachting, fashion, accessories, perfumes and cosmetics to gastronomy. You know the brands, you know the rest. Now, Bruno, thank you very much for joining me on the programme today.
1: Well, David, thank you very much. It's really an honour for me and a pleasure to be with you and to exchange our geography. May I just add that luxury is not only the brands you talk about, it's also a state of mind and wow. it's art de view. Indeed. And it's also about... A certain pride.
0: It goes exactly. back to a status of one's nation state, it could be said. Right. Now, in your latest book, the Géopolitique du Luxe, the geopolitics of luxury, it gives a breakdown of the economic power, the political weight of luxury, focusing on zones of influence, future challenges indeed, and the all-important uh, emerging trends uh, in the demand for luxury goods across the globe. Now, in that vein, we've had a very Uh, interesting 15 years on this planet. Uh, The one question that came to mind or comes to mind is we're looking at luxury items. We're looking at a certain niche market. Uh, Is global luxury and the luxury trade crisis proof? We had the economic meltdown of 2008. We've had the global COVID pandemic of 2020 that is still ongoing. So have all the luxury brands survived what what is their key
1: well you're totally right i think one of the main um, characteristics of luxury it has been for years and it will be for years Hmm. so whatever is uh, climate change wars uh, um, uh, natural catastrophe luxury is always there because as i said luxury is a state of mind is out of view so whatever you are rich or poor you need luxury so it's it's really that each nation each individual needs at once in his life mm-hmm. to buy mm-hmm. so after a crisis after a pandemic after a war you will Go back to luxury. And whatever is your luxury, it can be a brand, but it has a dream that you want to realize. Mm-hmm. So
0: basically, when we look in marketing about markets falling and then rebounding, we call it the V. Luxury right. is the one that comes straight back Revenge.
1: Out. It is. Revenge buying. Got you. Revenge buying. Revenge buying. But you have also to remind the pyramid of Maslow, mm-hmm. you know, this pyramid which you have a very basic fundamental needs for the human being and the very top. And each people, each individual has it. Mm -hmm. So as far as you can eat, drink and sleep, then you go and look for everything.
0: Up and up and up the ladder. Now let's have a look at the so-called great houses of luxury goods. Uh, Now there's a lexicon that is used within the likes of Louis Vuitton or Chanel uh, that really employ diplomatic vocabulary, ambassadors are appointed. This is hardly a coincidence, is it?
1: It is not, not at all. And that's very really the beginning of my own history. I've been uh, working in the luxury business since more than 35, 35 years, mm-hmm. and I have a very geographical and historic roots. So I am a four language uh, speaking, uh, English, German, Italian, of course, and French. And uh, when you travel, when you go abroad, you need to discover, you need to understand. So behind that, luxury is worldwide. Each nation, each culture has its own uh, luxury.
0: Mm -hmm. Indeed, luxury invokes the national spirit, one could say, and also it promotes the international reach of an individual country. So uh, there is a certain investment that, Diplomatically or otherwise, it has to be put into luxury brands from each individual nation. But here's a, one little polemic that came to mind as well recently. Um, indeed, we were talking about the 15 years there, but let's just say, especially since the uh, advent of COVID and social media, we live in a strange world. And I'd like to understand, if has the concept of luxury as a geopolitical tool you know, in the expansion of soft power, has that come under attack? Why do I ask this question? When Russia rejected champagne as a luxury product to promote the purchase of the Russian champagne, which is basically a cheaper sparkling wine, champagne producers who are very proud of their brand, which is a protected UNESCO brand, (laughs) what happened there? Was that Vladimir Putin just trying to pull the carpet from underneath the French
1: champagne producers? Again, you would think uh, we have to come back individual habits and roots. Each people, each individual, each country has its own uh, owner and mm-hmm. patriotism and nationalism. So, of course, we all know champagne because it's the most famous art de vivre à la Française mm-hmm. and all nation, all people when they get married, when they have a uh, big event, anniversary, they want to drink champagne. But each nation has its own very luxury drink. So it's normal to, that, to hear from Russia, to move maybe from China, from India, that they have their own champagne. Look at the American, they say that we have our own champagne. And regarding this champagne war, I would say, Mm -hmm. which is very fitting, I am coming from the fragrance also industry, and you may uh, have heard about the very famous champagne perfumes from Yves Saint Laurent at the very beginning. And even on the French market, Mm -hmm. it's very national, very patriotic. The champagne wines, uh, succeed in forgetting and cancel the champagne perfume, which has to be called YSL. Ah. So champagne is one of his amazing words, which everybody is dreaming of. So, of course, you you totally right with a Russian, little um, patriotic, and it's it's human being. I would say, yeah. but don't forget that even in inside French, the the, the country of champagne, we had also. Uh, succeed in this champagne world. You don't cross the line when it comes to the champagne exactly. brand.
0: That's basically it. But the, the interesting thing, I mean, me coming from Ireland, I mean, we're always very proud of our whiskeys. But then, of course, you have Japan, Japan. You have China now creating the whiskey because the market is there. So it's uh, it's interesting. It is and interesting. don't
1: forget, sorry to interrupt no, you, we're... but uh, one of the best uh, in luxury is um, Coco Chanel, who said, I'm very honoured to be copied, to be. Because when someone wants to do the same as you, you reach the the best. Oscar Wilde said plagiarism is the best form of flattery. So Coco Chanel
0: and uh, and Oscar Wilde have said in common. Luxury is something
1: (laughs) that it's upwards, Mm -hmm. frontwards. It's normal that all people say, let's try.
0: Yes, now, the other thing that um, I find well, that is basically that comes out very, very starkly in your book is that Asia has become the epicenter of the luxury market, uh, specifically with China. China represents 40 percent of the global luxury consumer market. Um But Beijing, let's look at the politics here, it seeks to dominate the new Silk Roots. This is the Belt and uh, Road project. Well, the colossal Belt and Road projects that are both maritime and overseas, and o- sorry, overland. And um, you know, what about the the reaction of the great houses that we spoke about there? Be they Italian, be they French, or otherwise? Um, when do they question the authoritarian nature of uh, or the approach of Xi Jinping and his Belt and Road project? Because we look at the politics in China, growing authoritarianism. We We have Xinjiang with the Uyghurs in the West, which is key to the opening of the Silk Road. You have the South China Sea, which is key to the maritime version of the Silk Road. And then there is the status of Taiwan. So let's just say with the Chinese market representing 40% of the almost 450 million luxury consumers in the world, is the market too big and too important for the luxury industry to take a stand?
1: Well. You totally right. Just don't forget that uh, 1,400,000,000 Chinese are living mm-hmm. and we are 7 billion. So it means China will be over everywhere. Yes. Uh, even with the pandemic, and if the Chinese market is closed, mm-hmm. they still buy because they have this mm-hmm. hunger, this uh, 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 wish to buy. Mm-hmm. And also because they want they are very nationalistic, patriotic, so of course, Louis Vuitton Chanel, but they want also to show they have their own luxury and don't the history of China. Mm. The Chinese history tradition is very, very long away and millennia. very millennia mm. and all of our brands from European countries have been inspired by Chinese history, tradition, and so. So I would say, again, back to human attitude, human being. We are uh, very selfish and very proud. So each people, each nation wants to show off and to sow. And I am European, of course, but I am very inspired by Asia in the spirits, in the luxury attitude, because I would say to be very simple, Western countries were very material, mm. and Asian countries are material, but also spiritual. Mm. And don't forget that um, um, word, I don't speak Chinese, but I like the way they, they cut the words. When you say crisis in Chinese, means two things. Means, of course, crisis, catastrophe, war, uh, head, earthquake, mm. whatever, mm. but also also opportunity means from something which is revolution you get a chance you get a challenge you get the opportunity to and the sick road is exactly that and of course china wants to show the world that they are not only, not only the the work of all the economy the, mm. um, the usine du monde
0: the, the factory of the, the world the factory yeah. of the
1: world but they are very proud of their own history
0: Indeed, in your chapter when it deals with China, it's not about inventing, it's all reinventing. It's everything is in brackets of re because you you do really genuflect to the fact that Chinese culture, even though it's gone through many shapes and forms, it dates back millennia at this stage. Um, Now, let's, however, move away from China and back here in France, uh, you know, uh, France remains the country the, of luxury, the leader in luxury brands, accounting for six out of the top ten luxury brands or luxury houses uh, in the market these days. You've got Louis Vuitton sitting in pole position at the top, valued now, this is going uh, to 2019 prices at 47.2 billion euros. And then Followed closely behind by Chanel at 37 billion euros, according to 2019. Which is not on the stock market. So this is just just their pot of cash. And then when you think of one of the most iconic brands, like Italy's Prada, it's number 10 with... A measly 3.5 billion. Now, of course, this is all relative, but when you think of Louis
1: Vuitton... LVMH, the yeah, whole group. The whole group, exactly, the whole group. Because Dior, Guerlain, Levin, Champagne.
0: Champagne, you name it. And then, of course, you've got um, LVMH, you caring, the caring L'Oreal, group.
1: L'Oréal, Hermès.
0: Now, again, you, I, this is not knocking Prada, That's not knocking their marketing team, but why has the French touch... Resonated across the globe. What is it that France has given that the other countries haven't punched? Well, uh,
1: I really appreciate all these very accurate questions. Um, when I was asked by Errol uh, to write Geopolitics of Luxury, this is because, the publisher, yeah. yeah because I'm not a, a writer, I'm a marketing man, a consultant, as you said. So, But I was convinced of many, many um, ideas. Mm. And uh, one is uh, luxury is participating to the geopolitics, but furthermore, mm-hmm. luxury has uh, been very successful, thanks to the geopolitics. Mm-hmm. and come back to the French history. We, we will talk about Comité Colbert, Louis Quin and so and so on. So the French history is so strong, so powerful that to be, again to be very proud of the French identity, the French government, years ago, promote the savoir-faire, the talent, mm. in different areas. Architecture. Mm. Chateau de Versailles, Louvre, the way of heating, gourmet, yes. champagne, drinking, so everything. And it has been so successful. Inspired also by Asia, by Americas, by it's Africa. America. It's not only French, it was just the power of French government to be inspired and to make the own identity. So it can all go back basically to the Sun King Louis XIV himself, one
0: can say, because Colbert was his financial string puller. So
1: just indeed... And just to come back, when you you ask me, how come that uh, luxury brands are talking about embassy? Mm. I have been working for many brands, as you may know, uh, such as Giorgio Armani, uh, for Ralph Lauren, Lancôme. Of course, I launched also the French the fragrance of Salvatore Ferragamo. And each, we're talking about, you are the ambassador of Giorgio Armani of Ralph Ryan. And I said, no, I'm not ambassador. Mm. I'm just Bruno Lavagna, very (laughs) learning my job. But the luxury brands have very well interpreted and integrated Mm. the diplomatic words Mm. and attitude. So it's true. Look at also Rocher, chocolate. This... Because diplomacy is the best. When you are welcoming someone in France, today, uh, Camilla Harris, so, uh, uh, yesterday in Glasgow, all the British Some and the royal family, yeah. each country is so proud to, to host the people with the best they have, that luxury comes behind.
0: Well, there was an old ad, an old publicity from the 1980s that everybody remembers from Ferrero Rocher. and it said, at the ambassador's reception, exactly. you only get Ferrero oh. Rocher.
1: And I mean, that's still almost 40 years on, everybody still remembers that. So has it, what is funny is the luxury brands are convinced of the diplomatic influence. Mm-hmm. And what I want to show through my books, and thank you, is that uh, geopolitics, people, diplomacy, it's not that they're not convinced. It's their life. Yes. Because, you know, I, I am very honoured to work with UNESCO and ONU. When you see the 200 countries, each in France, in Paris, UNESCO, right now it's the uh, 41st uh, General Conference. Each country is coming with its own um, habits, yes. its own uh, way to be uh, word and where to, to, to eat.
0: Even in Paris. Even in Paris. Now that brings me to another um, another interesting thing. We'll we'll get back to the uh, Comité Colbert if we have a, if we have time for. It. But I think what is more important is something a little bit more recently, is that um, for example in 2019 the, the G7 uh, summit was held in Biarritz. This was um, Macron, President Emmanuel Macron's big outing on the world stage in his home country, uh, and it was a showcase for French produce, for French know-how, the savoir-faire. You had the good de France, the Taste of France, also known as Good France, and that was all about gastronomy. <coughs> so that wasn't the first, but it doesn't mean that from here on in, on any G7 summit that is happening, whoever is hosting it is obliged to put on the showcase.
1: Yeah, you're totally right. And it's very clever from our French president not to, to do always in Paris or Versailles, yeah. to show... The spotlight worldwide to Biarritz. Mm. It could have been another city, but it is close to the, the Pays Basque, yeah. and Biarritz is the country of Empress Eugenie. Yeah. So it's a part of French history, and so so that all the uh, chief of state and all the people, the media will talk about Biarritz, even if it's already very well known, because nobody discovered Biarritz thanks to Gisette. Yes, but it's just to show that France has a very different landscape. Now, let's indeed look to this
0: uh, Comité Colbert. We were talking about, the you know, we can say that the the exportation of um, luxury diplomacy can be brought back to um, Jean-Baptiste Colbert, who was the the financial string puller. Um, He opened up, uh, controversially, he opened up the bringing in of the primary goods at such a cheap price and then refining them and turning them into the luxury brands that we have today. So in 1954, this Comité Colbert was set up. What was its
1: goal? It was uh, a wish from all the, well, it would be better to interview them there. Yeah. But what but I is said, this, was
0: this a post-war reaction to say, we have to get France back no, up? No, I, I
1: won't say it's, it's a post-war reaction. It's a, a wish and, and a, a, a reality because luxury is worldwide. Mm. It's, it's for everybody. So it's a wish to be uh, stronger together, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course, you, you can sell me, but the Italians are very strong and they are less uh, convinced like Comite Cobert. They are moda and different uh, institutional luxury Italian brands. So come back to Colbert is the wish of the main uh, French luxury brands to to work together, because each has its own identity, DNA. But Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Dior, which we're talking of the main, but there are thousands of us. I work a lot with Grands Ateliers de France, Mm -hmm. Maître Mm d'Art. So we have been inspired by Trésors Vivants, Du Japon. Yeah, the living and treasure of Japan. Exactly, yeah, yeah. which is a combine of industry and culture. Mm. And when you are maître d'art, you are not for ever. You has always to re uh, Train. retrain Train. and to say track. I will save my talent, transmit it, and I want to to educate, mm. to form. It's so, almost like a guild system, one could exactly. say, about training and training exactly. and
0: training and keeping, making sure that you're on top of your game mm-hmm. as a master.
1: So the strength of Colbert is very powerful because as you, you talk about the good de France, Alain Ducasse, mm-hmm. with Laurent Fabius as a foreign minister, mm-hmm. it's very clever. Goût, good, mm-hmm. the... The, the play on words the play on words yeah and and of which
0: there are plenty in your book indeed exactly. <laughs> every chapter
1: well well because gourmet is the best yes. everybody is like champagne we said but also to have caviar mm-hmm. or, or foie gras or whatever anyway so um it's very important to to travel together mm. and uh, just before the pandemic i was invited by louvre abu dhabi because they have a ten thousand years about luxury mm. And the the exhibition was done by Comité Colbert, but Musée Art Décoratif, because the history of Louvre of the body is also a part of, to show the world that Louvre is one of the mythic international museums, more than 10 million visitors a year, Mm. and the Emirates wanted this name this brand it's louvre because it's branding exactly so it's luxury culture branding in
0: their home country. and we were
1: clever enough french and emirates and they are celebrating the 50 anniversaries of their own in- independence to show the world that also in the middle east this strategic hub dubai abu dhabi there are luxury roots and history so and and french was there, but not only. So it's very interesting.
0: This indeed brings me to my next question. And indeed, it goes back to, uh, let's say, the independence, the post-colonialism of uh, um, countries such as, well, let's look at India being a curious um, point uh, in reference. I mean, the Indian market, uh, when it comes to luxury, of course, India has got centuries and centuries of opulence and decadence and richness we behind it. <laughs> and then, and exactly but it's it's remained an enigma Um, you know, when it comes to the export of luxury goods, even though the great houses here in France and in Europe have taken a lot from India, from their fabrics, perfumes, textures and all of that. So um, what is it with India? It's a hard nut to crack. Do people prefer to buy their own luxury from within?
1: Well, again, back to individual and nation and history of India. Uh, It's one of the biggest commonwealth countries since the independence the the indian history has always been very strong Mm. it's one of the most powerful democratic uh, nation and india is is a mosaic of countries of people so they have their own history, their own roots. It's totally different if you're in Maraja, in uh, um, Kerala, or wherever, New Delhi or yeah. Bombay. Totally different. So, mm. there are more than one billion, again. Yeah. So, somewhere, they don't need the Western luxury brands. Yeah, But they like because they know and they see. And Guerlain, and so many different in the fragrance area, in the tissue, textile, have been inspired of the... The, the wonderful uh, history of India. So they, they're just laughing at and proud of and show that they have their own luxury. Mm-hmm. But you know, India is not only in the luxury business, that very selfish and nationalistic. or Also in the movies. Yes, of course. It's got its own Bollywood. Bombay, it's got its Hollywood, own... Sure. Bollywood and so on. Yeah. So I mean, India, of course, like China, we talked before, it's one more than one billion people. They don't Yes, they care, because there are a lot in London and Europe.
0: They have a massive diaspora, of course. Yeah. But
1: they are very proud, very authentic, and they have all what they need. So behind that, just to... We came back to geopolitics. Mm-hmm. It's hard for a luxury brand to enter and to settle. You need to have an Indian partner. You can't have your own boutique, and the boutique is in a hotel resorts. So it's good, because in hotel resorts, you have... The, captive customers, the so people that, who won't buy. But we are—we have to transfer our idea to be like an Avenue Montaigne or Faubourg saint honore It will be in the big hotels. Yeah. So we just had to adapt. And what is very interesting by luxury, it's the capacity of the people managing the luxury to adapt mm. and to look forward and to be It's almost like India is keeping
0: uh, a lid on uh, the, uh, you know, globalization of branding and high streets and, you know, the brands like Zara and uh, Occitan and all of these things that you see everywhere around the globe. They're saying, no, 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 we're going to back off there. But again, it's a hard nut to crack because you've got 1.2 billion people, 50% of them are under the age of 30. So I think you've got people like Coco Chanel who are (laughs) hoping that once their father, their billionaire father passes their, uh, their empire over to them, that they might be able to go out there and the other thing as well is, and buy something as dull as Coco Chanel because it's classic it's sober it's it's not Indian or flamboyant at all and a lot of Indian people I've said who come to Europe they go how can you live here it's so grey it's so, it's so monotone you know yeah. come to India it's full of colours and again Great festivals such as Holi, the the festival of colour, are now an annual event here in Paris. So there's a whole Mm -hmm. switching and over (laughs) between the two countries that is uh, quite a paradox, but it's interesting. But indeed, sticking with the theme briefly, uh, we're running out of time um, here, Bruno, but in your book, uh, you mention... um, the great African awakening um, that's along the lines of that Africa today is like what China was like back in the late, well, back in the 1980s, one can say. So this is an economics question, but also a geopolitical question. Are you saying in the book that until African states can develop more purchasing power, that can Um, that can help an emerging middle class, that luxury in Africa will only be within the elite in African countries?
1: I'm not totally right. Um, I think Africa is one of the huge continents, of course, and uh, um, it's very, very uh, disparate mm-hmm. uh, compared Morocco, South Africa, okay, of and of course the poorest and uh, uh, Ethiopia and uh, different countries. So again, it, uh, talking about Africa, it's so huge that it's difficult to make a uh, summary. Yes. You've got but fifty
0: different states with well, different. Uh, what yeah, is very interesting
1: looking at Africa and what I, I try to to um, to explain in my book again to explain i don't say that i have the truth and the truth can change and i'm also learning myself every day by looking the people by traveling to africa and so on but it's very proud people again who have a very strong history and um, show that uh, luxury is not only to be rich it's luxury in mind in spirit in tradition in um, way to life and to transmit yeah. So Africa is really that countries, that conti- continent, mm. to show the world that forever, forever. Of course, it's the, the developing is def- totally different. Morocco, for me, yeah, is, is, is it's a, one of it, the is a part.
0: One is part yeah. because
1: uh, try by state. Um, um, uh, state government policy, uh, security, education.
0: From the king himself. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean It's, again, geopolitical luxury. Luxury go where it's stable, where the people can buy. Because, again, we came back to Maslow Pyramid. If you need to eat, to to uh, thirsty, you can't have a house, why care about luxury? luxury. Your first luxury is to have a house, have, yes. right? So means that luxury, as I said, needs to have a stable, the, the fundamental. Fair. Yeah. And then you You can build on it. But even when you are very at the very beginning, you can have your own
0: luxury. Just mentioning Africa there, but let's look also to the future. We're going to have to wrap it up here. Uh, We've only got a few more minutes, but uh, we have to look at the future and, of course, climate change. We have uh, COP26, Glasgow. (laughs) Now, we have to look at the future of luxury as a geopolitical tool. Um, You have, obviously, uh, Extinction Rebellion saying overconsumption is our extinction. How have the great houses been adapting to the next generation's demand for sustainability and ethical production? There are foundations that have been set up, but is there not a, an element of there have been accusations of greenwashing, where they've been, you know, buying their carbon footprint from people who want to get rid of it? What how, how have they reacted?
1: Well, again, you're totally right. It's the, the reverse of the success. Mm. I would say, you know, la rançon du succès in French. Um, the ransom
0: of success. That's
1: it. Um, and what we call mass prestige. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you took uh, all the different brands, I I don't want to focus on one. Uh, You're successful, so you you produce more, you sell more and so on and so on. But at the end, everybody has the same. Mm. So it's not more luxury because if everybody has the same handbag, the same shirt, the same... You get bored and well, say oh my god when you go to embassy or to diplomacy you have the same dress code the same uh, high watches or same jewelries this is no more luxury mm-hmm. so the luxury brands have all be very clever as i said and very upward say we have to restrain and to come back to our roots so in that way i show in my book that of course luxury is not Perfect. Nobody's perfect. But luxury has the money, the power, luxury brands, to to make an inside revolution and say the climate change, the youth generation is right to, to ask for a more um, uh, responsible environment, yeah, a little with less of a footprint, whatever. And the thing is, don't forget that luxury brands comes from nature. Mm. When Metrogda, it's transforming hood or clothes, or fragrance, and so so back to nature, just to to make the nature more beautiful.
0: So giving back to make sure that the environmental impact of the brands and what they are using to create their brands exactly. will be then reinvested.
1: And look at the vintage recycle sure. Sure. effect, yeah. of course the luxury brands are the first ever. Look at, let's say some names, because we are here, Hermes or Chanel with the bags. Yeah. The vintage has a, such a sex by Softbees, by Christie's, mm-hmm. that it's even because it's the SAC Kelly yeah. or the SAC Birkin or whatever, yeah. Lady Dior.
0: Yeah.
1: You want to have the one of the 60s of yeah. the 50s. Exactly. And the best is to look at watches. Uh. All luxury watches brands have always maintained their marketing and their positioning of to transmit. you bought a watch. which can be more than 1 million because you want to give it to your son or to your daughter or to your uh, grandson. So it, this is really it's a transmission
0: investment, yeah. and that is the luxury Forever. and that is the luxury of luxury. That is the luxury of being access, of having access to such luxuries. Unfortunately, Bruno, we're going to leave it at that. Bruno Lavagna, um, international expert in luxury and a consultant in geostrategy and the geostrategy of luxury. Thank you very much for being on Paris Perspective today.
1: Well, thank you to you and to whole team of RFI.
0: Thank you very much. And thank you for tuning in to this edition of Paris Perspective. We'll be back in two weeks time.